Bucks Nation, the podcast representing the best fans in college football. Now, here's Tyler and Jerry. What's going on? Welcome into another episode of the Buffs Nation podcast. I'm Tyler Walgie. He is Jared All to my right. Jared, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. That Buffs one lose. got ugly in a hurry, didn't it? Look, last week when I said I thought the Buffs had a chance to hang in there, it was it was close. Buffs were on the one-yard line, two-yard line, first and goal, about to make it a touchdown game before halftime, getting the ball back. Great spot for the Buffs to be in, and they completely choke away every good opportunity they had that game. Before we start venting, special thanks to Woos Media. If you own a business, know anyone who owns a business, and want more out of your digital marketing, check them out online, woosmedia.com. That's W-O-O-Z-E, media.com. All right, Jared. I uh, <laughs> It's like on uh, Seinfeld. Do you want to start? No, 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 no. I got to get my thoughts together. <laughs> so... What were your initial thoughts of the game? See you losing, what was it, 45-3? Yeah, and, and you, you touched on a little bit there. I mean, the, the, the cliche saying it was a tale of two halves. I mean, the Buffs held their own in the first half. Uh, some, some great defensive stops. Uh, offense were, was putting up some nice long drives. However, the same issue we've seen pop up the last few weeks came up again. The inability to close out drives, to finish drives, penalties getting in the way, missed play. Plays, and, and, and it came back to bite them. Uh, the, the obvious turning point in the game, what you alluded to, was I think it was about two minutes left. See you down on the goal line twice in that possession, Tyler. They got down to the one-yard line and twice had a penalty that pulled them back, had them making plays on second and five, second and ten, or excuse me, third and ten, instead of being on the one-yard line, ultimately leading to an interception, which I'd like to touch on just real quick. Oh, God, there's so many things to get to Real quick, yeah, 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 of course, go on. Am I just being a homer, or or, or or was that not clear and obvious? I did not, even right now as I'm sitting here, I don't think he caught that ball. It looked like it was moving, it was being bobbled. No, I just, it I seemed don't, like a clear interception. Uh, right, okay. What are you, you talking you about? You know, I'm telling you, man, it looked like to me it was being moved from one arm to the other. It was being bobbled. I don't think that's something when it's called on the field incomplete that you can flip over. The way you're looking at me right now, I'll drop that topic. Yeah, it seems no, to me I, like I I'm no, being a clear homer Never on that for one. one second did that cross my mind. And I'm also, for those who don't know, I sync up 850K away to the TV for road games. And the, uh, Gary Barnett and Mark Johnson are about the two most homer guys you can get. I love the broadcast. but And they weren't even saying even that. Even they was, weren't. No, okay, hey, all right, all right. I just had to throw that out and there. And I think what that does is, unfortunate, it takes blame off of Steven Montez, which to me is my main topic coming into today. Now, I want to be very clear with this, folks. Blaming the quarterback usually is the most lazy, mainstream, average fan thing to do. It's always my last resort because it's so simple. Ah, it was the quarterback. It's the quarterback. That's what all the idiots on Twitter say. That That's always the easiest thing to do. Since Steven Montez began at CU, I've always been a Steven Montez supporter. But you know what, Jared? I'm starting to think, well, my thoughts have now been confirmed that he is the type of quarterback that just can't win long term. He reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. Now, I know you're about to say, well, Tyler, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks maybe in the history of the NFL. Fair, right? But Steven Montez reminds me a lot of Aaron Rodgers in these ways. He's a gunslinger. He takes he takes risks when they don't need to be taken. He gets happy feet in the pocket. He doesn't go through his progressions. One of Aaron Rodgers' main complaints and main downfalls from all of his coaches are he doesn't run our plays. We have plays out there where you're supposed to go receiver one. And, and, and folks, 
in the in, in typical offenses, college, NFL, receivers in passing plays are usually open for like a half a second to a second. There's windows you have to find. Steven Montez does not go through progressions, does not go through the windows. What I saw this game was a great defense to where Steven Montez finally got exposed, making these stupid mistakes he's been making for the last three or four years. And he's so talented, Jared. Steven Montez is so talented, it has hurt him, right? A, a lot of times, what do we hear about Michael Jordan? He wasn't so talented. He had to work his butt off. He got in there from working, working, working. I think Steven Montez has been so good for so long. He's now reverting in his senior year at the University of Colorado. He's now reverting back to what was successful in high school, where one receiver, you look off him, you start scrambling. I have so many issues. And actually, again, the broadcast, Mark Johnson, Gary Barnett, Gary Barnett, ex-CU head coach, knows so much about football. He's probably forgot more about football than all of us combined listening know. This guy knows his stuff. And I was writing down quotes here. Well, I don't want to say quotes. They're, they're, uh, they're close to being quotes. Paraphrase. You know, they're para- Thank you, Jared. Paraphrase. From the broadcast. This is Gary Barnett talking about Steven Montez. Quote, well, sort of paraphrase quote. <laughs> You've got to get rid of the football. You're a fifth-year senior. You should know better than that. That was one instance. Where, where, you know, he, he was blitzed, holding the ball for five, six seconds. That's okay if you're a sophomore. You're a senior. You've got to get rid of the football. Another instance where the defense clearly came out in man coverage, Gary Barnett said, look, you're a, again, you're fifth-year senior. You have to identify when there's man coverage. There's cornerbacks staring right at the receivers. You can't run that play. And this is the thing. As you progress at the quarterback, and this is honestly, Jared, where I don't put a whole lot, well, I don't know how much to put on Montez or the coaching staff. You have to coach this guy up to where some of these mistakes, these are simple quarterback fundamentals. First day of camp, first day of high school football, you learn these things to step up in the pocket, to go through progressions, to not wait too long to throw the football away. If you had to guess, because we're speculating right now, is it Montez being stubborn, reverting to this, or is it the coaching staff not letting him know how to be a quarterback? I, I think the two actually go hand in hand, and, and let me explain that. Because when you look at Montez's career as a CU buff, he has now dealt with, I think, three different offensive coordinators, point. four different quarterbacks coaches. And so I think that this is a combination of both in that Steven Montez came in as an uber-talented player. If you remember back to his recruiting process, he was a star basketball player as well. I mean, he was just a great athlete coming out of high school. So he comes in and plays for the bus, gets early exposure as a freshman. You saw that talent come through. And I almost wonder how much the coaching staff at that time went, man, we can just kind of ride this talent for a little bit. Right. Maybe didn't quite push him enough early in his career. Then things start changing. You get a different quarterbacks coach come in the next year. You get an offensive coordinator to come in. Things start to change, different systems, different play calls. And I think a lot has been thrown at him, and I don't think it's ever really settled in his head, the mental aspect of being a quarterback. Maybe that's just not something that Steven Montez is capable of. Maybe it's just not something that he has spent enough time on early, where now as a senior, when this stuff should be coming second nature to him, it's not. And now he's really having to think his way through it. And you see how slow he gets when he starts thinking that way. I think that's why it's so difficult to draft quarterbacks in the NFL is because talent doesn't say everything. The majority of being a good quarterback at the next level is mental and doing the right thing, staying in the, in the pocket, getting rid of the ball quickly. What do we always say about Tom Brady? He holds the ball for like a second and a half and then he's getting rid of it. Or Peyton Manning. Well, you know, when he's about to take a sack, he just kind of takes a knee, gets lives for the next play, right? You're not... 
third and goal at the end of the first half, scrambling, throwing off your back foot, some Hail Mary up in the end zone to get tipped, and and that's another thing I don't want to hear. Oh, Tyler, they were deflections. Montez is still throwing a good ball. Folks, it's not that. He's got arm talent. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country. It's the decision-making. It's what's going on between his ears that's affecting this team. And when you look at each of the four interceptions he threw, by the way, on four straight drives, if you take the last drive of the second or first half and then the first three drives of the second half, four straight interceptions for Montez, and it seemed like each one got a little bit worse as far as on yeah. Montez's shoulders. The first one, hey, okay, you know what? You're trying to make a play. Your guy actually had a play to make on the ball, but you shouldn't have made the throw. And then the second one, kind of the same situation. And then those third and fourth interceptions, it was just like, it, it, I thought he was throwing it to the Ducks at that point. Well, And let's keep in mind, that makes six red zone interceptions this season. That will destroy a team. And again, coaching staff, Montez. At this point, Jared, I'm putting my hands up because that's on Montez. And I know people may think, boy, you're piling on here a lot. I've reserved this because I've been waiting. And it's like, no, let's give him another chance. Let's give him another shot. What I saw was a team that was decimated on defense and will get there. And they needed their offense. See, you needed something offensively. I truly, truly, truly believe if you have a quarterback in there that's making at least halfway decent decisions, your team stays in that game. I think he takes a lot of the blame for this past weekend. And you know what, Jared? It went from, I mean, when I was doing radio, I can't believe I said this, and I can't believe I'm bringing this up again now. I know where you're going with this. When I was doing radio, his first year starting for the Buffs, I said, by time he's a senior, he's going to be a Heisman candidate or at least in the conversation and I didn't think that was hyperbolic I was I fully believe that I fully thought he was that good we have seen a plateau in progression talent desire I'm not happy with it Jared at all I, I want to throw one uh, one more analogy out there you, you use the example of Aaron Rodgers I don't know that I can necessarily agree with you on that <laughs> one. I'm gonna little... I'm gonna give you a better one one that's gonna really hit home for Denver folks Jay Cutler. Much better, much better. Jay Cutler, a guy with all the talent in the world, and when he's on, he's unstoppable. But, man, there's just some plays and some games where you just look at him and go, does this guy even understand how to play quarterback? Does he get what his role is there? So, you know, I hope to see Steven Montez continue to progress in on, on the next level. He will make it to the next level, guys. I think he will He's 6'5", well. yeah. 235 pounds with a rocket arm. He will get drafted next year. Let's see if he can take some coaching through the rest of this year into next year and have a successful career off of that. For all of those Steven Montez apologists, I'm, there's, I'm sure there's a lot listening right now who are getting worked up at our presentation today and how we're going about this. I mean, there's only a few things you can blame this on. And here's what I don't want to hear. And I did, I kind of combed through Twitter and Facebook just to get a feel of where a lot of CU fans were. And here's a lot of common things that I read that are absolutely false okay here's what i don't want to hear well mac coach uh, mcintyre left his program in shambles these are all max guys folks coach mcintyre turned this team around from a bottom dweller to a pac-12 south contender okay this is a good team offensively this is a very good team, and defensively, this is a good team without the injuries, okay? And we'll get there in a second, but I don't want to hear any more, well, Max team, this is a horrible team, give Mel Tucker a few years, uh-uh, uh, wrong. This team is talented, and this coaching staff is coming in with a plethora of talent. Look at what Wyoming did against Oregon this year, okay? I don't want to hear about CU's lack of talent, that's why they didn't show up. That's an incorrect answer. And here's the other thing I'm hearing. 
this defense is horrible. This defense, blame the defense. This defense is getting, is, is, doesn't stand a chance out there. Uh, folks, this defense is decimated. Our best players are out. We're rotating constantly on the back end. Here's the thing. is This defense is doing as good as they can. At one point in the game against Oregon, CU had three freshmen and one sophomore on the defensive line. They're banged up. They're beat up. What do you expect? You have to be fair. And and a lot of people say, oh, really? You're being... No, folks, I'm being fair with Montez. I'm being fair with this offense. I'm being fair with the coaching staff. And I'm being fair with the defense. And when it comes to the defense, our expectations when Mustafa Johnson, the most important key cog of that defense, the secondary banged up. We're, we're rotating on the back end. Last week, Sam Neuer comes in. People are mad about that. It's like, folks, this defense is simply decimated. So many injuries. This is nothing close to the beginning of the year defense that CU plan on having on the field. So that, to me, is kind of a pass. They're banged up. They're playing well for what they have out there, Jared. That's not like it's our starting defense and they look that bad. That's how people are acting. As, as if there's no injuries, that's our defense, and we're just getting giving up all those points. That's incorrect. Can I take that thought and, and build on it a little bit there when, when we're looking at this whole season and, and where we're at? And, and I think the frustration from CU fans is starting to come through. It, it, it's kind of that, that idea that they, they fooled us again because they came out looking pretty strong. They fooled me, Jerry. And, and now they're falling off a little bit. And, and it's one of those things I, I think we talked about a little bit at the beginning of the season that this season for me has always been a building block season. Sure, you wanted to see the Buffs be, be bowl eligible, make it into a bowl game, have a good a winning season in, in Mel Tucker's first year, but you always knew that, they, that he was coming in to change the culture a little bit, change the mindset around here. And so with these injuries and things coming into play, it, it sort of really just builds into that, that. Not to say that this team doesn't still have the opportunity to go get to six wins, go be a winning team, but... I think you have to look at the opportunities you're getting for your defense and the experience that your young players are getting. This time next year, the impact that this is going to have for those guys, yes, they're out there, they're struggling now. They're overwhelmed, they're overmatched on the defensive side of the ball at all three phases right now. They're, they're not playing well. And you got a lot of guys that are getting their first snaps. So these guys get that experience this year. They get through the offseason program, and you turn around next year, and the experience they're going to have gained from that I think will, will pay dividends for this team long term. Uh, a couple things. First of all, I've been hearing that for the last 10 years. So when's that going to stop? New coaching staff. You got uh, a new coaching staff. You got to understand that there's going to just, be some of that, Tyler. Uh, but then what? See, so you struggle for three years. We foul, fire Mel Tucker, and then it's all Ray Roses again. Oh, well, we're rebuilding. It's like, at what point do you just want to see some progress? And Jared, I actually think that's valid for the defense, right? Defensively, that's fine. Colorado, I would say on paper, and you don't win games on paper. I get it. On paper, top three offense in the Pac-12. I would agree. See, so, so, see, you should not do what we saw yesterday. Is I think it's an excuse to say, well, you know what? It's a, it's a, it's a process, Tyler. It's going to take a few years. They're, these guys are going to learn a lot from and, yesterday. And that, that point I was making was more specific to the defense. When you see these struggles here, but as a team, I just think as fans, we need to understand that. Rome wasn't built in the day, you know. Uh, Nick Saban's first year at Alabama, he went six and six. But there's Tyler. a difference between Rome being built in a day and not being able to execute a jet sweep on on, on the other team's two yard line. Like the reason CU didn't yes, score was purely it? execution. They're having penalties, they're having execution, and I don't like blaming this new coaching staff initially. But but look, the a lot of the guys on offense aren't new. 
Um, uh, Shiverini, who's been here for a while, isn't he calling plays? He is not calling plays. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, he he's just gone back to being just a wide receiver coach this year. He took a step back recruiting and, and wide receivers. Who's the fla- who who else wears the flat bill on the on the? Is there another flat bill? Because it looked like he was pretty intent. With, he with he, he very well may be involved with the play calling. For for all I know, that's that's just on the surface. Because I was there was Brian the Lindgren last year, and uh, and obviously Shiverini, and they bring in a new a, a couple new guys this year with the whole co offensive coordinator thing. They're not execute. I mean, Jared, this is simple stuff, right? A jet sweep should be simple. You're mistiming but things. Tyler, mis- I think you're making it a little too simple in that you're playing against a top 10 defense in the NCAA. So it's not just as easy as saying, oh, we're just going to execute you. But, but Jared, I expect you to get a handoff off. A complete the handoff, Here, and then if you can catch the line of scrimmage, fine. They're not even getting the handoff off. I don't have an issue with you not being able to execute a jet sweep around the, the, the you know on on the goal line. What I have an issue with is you getting down to the one yard line, and somehow I'm third and third and goal from the ten. But that's part of it. it part of that was the jet sweep. It was first and goal. But but what they happens, ran Tyler, that is sweep. they get a penalty. That's what pushed them back. They were second and goal on the one. Katie Nixon gets a a, a a holding penalty out on the edge, bumps him back 10 years. That's the issue. If I'm third and goal from you're the forget- one, I run Jared, right up the middle. You're, you're, you're skipping right over first down, okay? First and goal from the two is where the jet sweep was called, okay? And for the folks who don't know, the jet sweep is where the slot receiver motions. While he's motioning, you snap it to the quarterback. Quarterback hands it off to the receiver, and he's able to run outside, extend the field kind of horizontally. What happened was... It was a late snap. Montez bobbled the ball, and he ended up having to scramble to the right and just throw the ball out of bounds. It was a wasted first down, and they couldn't execute. That was my point. After a series of penalties, they got him there, and then another penalty after that, that's all on the coaching staff. The penalties are on the coaching staff. Not executing is on the coaching staff. I watched a great documentary this weekend. Um, It's the New England documentary. It's called Do Your Job, and it's just that. Like They focus so much on doing your job, and there was a part in there where Josh McDaniels said, he would, every game, they have to go through a whole outline and they type up the entire game plan and he hands it over to Belichick. And Belichick will hand back the, the binder with all the plays and all the schemes and all the game plan. And for every little mistake, you know, uh, Josh McDaniels would have the slot receiver lined up three yards off the tackle and there'd be a little sticky note next to, the, to the, that receiver. And it would say, no, he's not three yards off, he's four yards off. It's that attention to detail that trickles down to the team, that trickles down to success, right? When I see so many stupid penalties and so much misexecution, I have no option but to say, what the hell are these guys doing in practice? You know, and look, this bleeds through the radio too. Gary Barnett, a, a very homer buff. He loves the buffs. He loves CU. He did about everything he could to stop from railing on this coaching staff during the game this weekend. I think they deserve a lot of the blame, Jared. And I get it that... Well, hey, you got you need some time to work things out. You need some that's BS when you have a semi-talented team. When Jim McElwain went to the University of of or uh, Colorado State University, some, you know, secondary school, they've got awful talent. They, they they couldn't even compete in the Mountain West. Jim McElwain goes there, turns them into a top 20 team in one season. And then he went to Florida. 
That's what a good coach can do and a good coaching staff can do. Maybe our standards shouldn't be that high, but they shouldn't be this low, Jared. But they're also not competing in the Mountain West, Tyler. You're you're playing in a, Jared, in a competitive conference. I just said, conference. listen listen to me for a second. I just said CSU couldn't compete in the Mountain West. It's apples to apples. They could they were as good in the Mountain West as CU is in the Pac-12. So I'm not saying CU's playing in the Pac-12. It's very apples to apples. CSU's not playing. I, the I just great think team. you're jumping the gun a little bit to say that this coaching staff off. is failing. I'm pissed off. And I, I, because I think Mel Tucker has done nothing but prove his attention to detail all through the offseason, all through what? everything. Have, we're the most penalized team in the Pac-12. What attention to detail is I, I'm not saying it's a, a perfectly executed uh, system that we have That's going That's attention here, to detail, Jared. But, it, I'm not, but what <laughs> you're telling, me, tell what you're telling me is he has come in with a lack of attention to detail. I think he has come in with that. Now, are we missing? Are we not hitting on some of those things? Certainly. We are hitting some spots where things are not going the way the Buffs want to, but early on in the season, that wasn't an issue. This is the last two games we've had some issues with it. So, is that something you can put back on Mel Tucker? Or is this a, a team, and this is how I take it a little bit differently, I saw that play at the very end of the first half, and I wrote down in my notes right then and there, the game is over. Right then and there, yeah. I knew it. This was not coming back. And then what I saw was a team that came down out of the second half and a, 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 a group of players that, I don't want to say the words gave up, but I think they sort of threw in the towel. Uh, I do they, too. they knew at that point in time, you know what? We're moving on to next week. I am afraid right now, Tyler, less about this coaching staff because I do believe in what Mel Tucker's doing and the message he's preaching in there. Is it being heard? I, 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 I don't know. Right now, it seems like a group of players that is, is being demoralized by the injuries they're having on defense. I think they're starting to, while Mel Tucker may not be making that excuse, I think internally in that locker room, that is starting to become an excuse in their mind. Go, ah, well, we're just so beat up and we're so injured. You know, We don't really have everybody here to be able to do this. So I see a group of guys that is starting to crumble a little bit that I think that's going to be the challenge of this coaching staff. You have got to find a way to recapture the energy you had early in the season because you go lose another game or two coming up the next couple of weeks. By the way, two very tough matchups coming up the next couple of weeks for the Buffs. You no go lose kidding. those games this season will fall off the rails in a bad way. And I don't know that I can necessarily put that on the coaching staff. I think this is a group of players that needs to come together behind your senior leader at quarterback in Steven Montez and pull out a victory, go out and win a game yourself. Don't blame the coaches because you you jump off sides. You can't you know you 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 can't hold on to a pass. You can't make a good decision as a quarterback. That's not on the coaches. That's on these players going out and executing. I, I want to divide this blame up. I think the coaches definitely deserve some. I think Montez definitely deserves some. And, and folks, I think it boils down to this. I don't like, as a matter of fact, I freaking hate when the University of Colorado football fan base is just so lackadaisical and there's no expectation and it's all roses and it's all, well, Tyler, they're trying their best. Let's get them next year. I want expectations with this team. I want to expect the best. I want to compete in the Pac-12 South. And that doesn't happen unless you have real expectations. And I hate the apologists. I hate the, well, let's give it a few years. Look, I'm all about being fair. I get that. If Mel Tucker and this coaching staff came in, and I'm saying Mel Tucker too much, I think you're right about that. I, I think I'm mainly blaming the offensive coaching staff. I agree. I will and, agree with that. And, and that's a, a big part of this, is, is what's going on offensively. They need to... I mean, and I know I'm quick to this, but they need to, I think, quickly shake things up what's going on offensively there. But I don't like how everyone is so easy on the buffs. It's always, oh, let's wait, let's wait. I've watched this for decades now, and I hate it, and I'm so sick of that mentality. You should have bigger expectations, more expectations for this team. 
and quarterback deserves a lot of the blame. The coaching staff deserves a lot of the blame. Jared, before we move on, you, you mentioned one thing. You said you can't blame the coaching staff for jumping offside. You can't blame the coaching staff for dropping balls. No, one of those you can. Dropping balls not on the coaching staff. Jumping offsides is, it is on the coaching staff. I think mentally, if there's one player maybe who's doing the same thing over and over, that's fine. But as a team, they're worn out. They're tired. They're jumping offsides. There's false start penalties. That is on the coaching staff. I mean, there's usually in every practice a dedicated segment of time, be it five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, to, all right, everyone, look at the ball, and they do false start drills. You've been a part of this. I've been a part of this where the offensive line, they're trained to look at the football. Oh, and then once the football moves, then they move. If anyone does uh, jumps off, off start, you're running laps, and you're running, 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 conditioning, 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 more. You're drilling into, into your players. I mean, it's not a coincidence to me that in the NFL, the New England Patriots are far and above the least penalized team year after year. In college football, the Alabama Crimson Tide are the least penalized team year after year, right? This is a coaching thing. This is attention to detail. So I think those things are on the coaching staff. Dropping balls, maybe not so much. Montez scrambling, debatable. The penalties, Jared, have to stop. Can we talk about the false start penalties real quick? You and I both grew up playing football, and then we didn't play any college ball or anything, but I never understood jumping off sides. You know the snap counts. He's going to say hut one, hut two, hut three, whatever he's going to say, and when he gets to the third one, you go. Or uh, you, there's a real key way, guys. If you look at the ball... When that moves is when you go. I never <laughs> got that. You're making these too simple. No, it's not. <laughs> never in my entire football career playing from eight years old and all the way through high school did I one time jump off sides. Come on. It is all mental toughness in that one right there. You got anything yet to add before we move on from last week's I game? I would just like to move on from this one. All right. Special thanks to the Wise Listing System team. If you're looking to move into a new home, apartment, condo, well, they'll help you out. They make the whole process very easy, and we all know how stressful that can be. Moving is a pain. Well, sit back, relax, and let the Wise Listing System team take care of it for you. Check them out online, paymyfirstmonth.com, and they'll do just that for you. They'll pay your first month's mortgage. Again, when you're moving, so many little bills come up here or there, so many expenses. How nice would it be to have that first mortgage, that first month's mortgage taken care of? Check them out online, paymyfirstmonth.com. It's the Wise Listing System team. Tell them you heard about them right here on the Buffs Nation podcast. All right, coming up next week, Colorado on the road. Washington State Cougars, who have lost three in a row. Most recently, they lost last week uh, at Arizona State, 38-34. Before that, losing 38-13 at the Utah Utes. Jared, where do you want to start with this one? You know, this is a team that on paper, as I'm putting together my notes, I'm going, man, this is actually a, a great, you know, pretty good matchup Washington for CU. State. Yeah, it's Washington State, that is. And and their, their defense isn't, isn't great. And, you know, you know, this team doesn't scare me a ton. You know what scares me, Tyler? The air raid offense. That scares yeah. the hell out of me right now with this defense the Buffs are throwing out there. The the inability for the Buffs to get a pass rush, the inability to maintain coverage on the outside, that is terrifying to go up against a Mike Leach-operated air raid offense. I am terrified. I think you got to outscore him in this game. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're going to have to outscore them. And if there's one thing we know about Washington State, it's that they run this system very efficiently, and it doesn't matter who they have. This is what I like about these kind of college teams, right? Whether it's the triple option or the air raid, it's very 
plug-and-play oriented. You can get a lot of guys who just fit this scheme, and they don't really seem to slow down year by year. Now, if they have a guy like Gardner Minshew, like they did last year, then Washington State can actually take their talent to the next level. But I think that if you just have this Air 8 offense, you can chalk Washington State up for about seven to eight wins every single season. And you're right, Jared, the, the Air Raid offense... It's not easy to defend against, and frankly, the last couple years, CU has not shown a great ability to defend against it. Last year, the Buffs lose to Washington State 31-7. Before, the year before that, they lose to Washington State 28-0. Now, I'm not great at quick math, but I'd say that's a total score of 59-7 to the last two years. For everyone out there, Tyler just did some long math. That was, that was, <laughs> I did. That was good to watch. Um, <laughs> at least somebody still knows how to do that. 59-7 the last two years, okay? And actually, folks, I know Mel Tucker's a defensive guy, which is good for stopping the air raid, but let's not forget, Mike McIntyre was also a defensive guy. Spent a lot of year with the Dallas Cowboys defense, and kind of my theory earlier this year, we spent so much time complaining about that Air Force game, I think that uh, Mike McIntyre, he actually, well, I know, he knows how to stop the, the triple option, right? So when McIntyre scheduled an Air Force, it's a much different mentality than maybe if Mel Tucker were That's here scheduling. We hadn't really talked about yeah, that at all. Scheduling Air Force, right? McIntyre kind of knows how to stop that. So... This is important to remember. Why do I bring that up? Well, McIntyre knew uh, seemingly how to stop the air raid. He'd seen every defense deployed imaginable before he was with CU, and they couldn't stop Washington State at all. Mike Leach is a very good head coach, underrated head coach, and the fact that Washington State has now lost three games in a row, they're going to be coming into this game with some... This is a must-win yeah. for, for Washington State right now for them to salvage their season. Yeah, no kidding. Right now, uh, they started off, they won their first three games against New Mexico State, University of Northern Colorado, and uh, Houston. And then they lost their last three. UCLA, Utah, Arizona State. We are recording this Sunday morning, so I don't think the lines are out quite yet, are they, Let's for next week? Let's take a look and see. This is a little bit of a weird vibe being in here Sunday morning. Yeah, it is got, a little got bit. Got the coffee <laughs> going, you know. Uh, well, I always you have coffee. You know what, Tyler? I'm a little disappointed, like though. We, we, I walk in this morning, and we're, we started recording about 9 o'clock uh, Mountain Time here, and there's a football game, NFL, going on in London right now. I fully expected you to have the full setup. Uh, those of you who, who uh, Tyler doesn't put much out for, for <laughs> pictures or videos out on the social media, but Tyler has a setup in his studio here that is just unreal, unmatched. And he's got it all torn down now. Know, he's I, I he's usually to, got three TVs everywhere, <laughs> and I'm just disappointed. I I'm very disappointed I, in your in your readiness. I had, to, uh, I had to rearrange. I had to move it a little bit, and I didn't want. I knew you'd be distracted. I knew you're all into these games and uh, Carolina, Tampa Bay playing this morning in 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 England. Yeah, so. Christian McCaffrey having himself a day. Is he? Again. Yes. There we Two go. Two touchdowns in the first <laughs> half. Uh, I don't see any lines as of yet on this game, uh, Tyler, so I think probably typically Monday, I think those those come out. Am I, am I right? Uh, you're, you're more the professional better. Yeah, yeah, Monday they'll uh, they'll be released. So, um, Washington's... Well, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, g give me your professional opinion on that. Where do you think this line comes in at? Oh, God. I mean, I don't originate in football, so it's tough for me to, to come up with lines, but I would say... Washington State will open up about a touchdown favorite at home. Thinking, so, somewhere in the 7 to 10 range. Yeah, around 7 or so. Now, let's let's not forget that defensively, and let's start there, CU's offense against Washington State's defense, right? What is CU going to have to do to move the football and to keep up? Because we're both, Jared and I are both speculating that this is going to be a fairly high-scoring game, and if CU is going to win, it's not going to be because it's 17 to, to 10. We're going to have to outscore Washington State. Well, the good news is CU still has a pretty efficient offense this year, albeit the penalties and the lack of scoring last game. While Washington State, if you look at the ESPN FPI efficiency ratings, they've got the 112 
out of 130th defense in the nation. Washington State struggles defensively. And what did we see yesterday against an Arizona State team that really struggled to score against the Buffs? They put up 38 against them. Yeah, this is the same Washington State team that gave up 67 points to UCLA. So I absolutely think the Buffs should be putting some major points up here. This will be a devastating disappointment if CU cannot muster up points against this Washington State defense. And, And the thing is, Washington State really hasn't been great either against the pass or the run. So CU has their option here if they, they have their pickings now we've talked about it all year long if they have their pickings what do they do don't you think they have to start running the football this game you I have to pound the rock yeah i want to see a balanced attack i think that's the biggest thing is don't feel like you have to go throw the ball 50 times to keep up with this offense. which is a lot of times what washington state will do to another team. and you, you look at uh last week's game i believe uh, anthony gordon yeah i think it was like some, some something like 60 passing attempts that he had in that game for for washington state yeah, anthony so. gordon is washington state's quarterback yeah so that's absolutely what they want to do so i think for the buffs i think to establish that running game early uh you are going to need to open up and throw the ball against his team to win. You are going to need to put up big drives, big plays, but I think to establish that run early is going to be huge because you want to be in control of this game. Do not fall into Washington's uh, Washington State's game plan in this one. Yeah, um, Alex Fontenot is going to have to be a huge part from the get-go. What did you think of him the last couple games? I actually was a little disappointed they didn't lean on him more last game. I, I, I thought early on you saw some, some great uh, great efforts from him, you know, taking small gains, uh, gaining extra yards. I thought he was kind of primed to start breaking out in the second half, and then that that exchange at the end of the first half, I think, really threw their play calling, and you really just saw them start to open it up. So he actually played well. He's been consistent all season long. Yeah, and I he, think he certainly has. He's been one of the, the brightest spots of this. But uh, what this we team. haven't really seen is Alex Fontenot break out and have a huge game, and I think this could be the opportunity for the bus to lean on him. Slow the game down a little bit, minimize the number of possessions, and get Alex Fontenot really going in this game. Jaron Mangum last game had 10 carries. Alex Fontenot had 15, but it's very important to remember, Jaron Mangum only had one carry, I think, before the late in the third quarter. So they waited and waited and waited to get Mangum involved in this game, and CU was kind of forced to throw early on. And, and I think it's telling. You and I have talked about this a lot week in and week out about the breakout of, of who's getting the touches, how Jared Mangum's looking. This was the first game that I saw Alex Fontenot look like a bell cow back. He was the only guy well, running in and out there early in Deon, this game. Deion Smith is finally getting some yes. looks as well, and he kind of came through I think this he game. impressed a couple weeks back when he got some opportunities, and he's certainly getting some looks, and I, and I think probably ahead of a guy like Jaron Mangum. And that's not to say that Jaron Mangum doesn't still have a bright future with the Buffs, but I think it's telling that they really lean on Alex Fontenot early and then started turning to those other guys as the game went on. LaVisca Chenault. Okay, he came in. He had four. It was his first game in a couple weeks. He had four catches for 70 yards last week. Part of my frustration that game was the inability to get Chenault the football. Oregon opted to run a man-to-man defense, and they weren't doubling Chenault that much. I saw time and time again where... Again, Steven Montez would scramble, big surprise there, and Chenault would take off, go vertical, and they just didn't connect. He missed them seemingly every time. I don't I heard I read on Facebook, and you have to take this with a grain of salt because you're a grain of sand. Facebook's like the know. new Wikipedia, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where'd you read it? I read it on the internet. Um they said LaVisca has to have surgery, and that's why they're doing this. I don't know how true that is. If he really had to have surgery, you know, I think that this would be more of a Joey Bosa situation where uh, Nick, Nick, Bosa, Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa situation 
where he's not playing at all. And they're, I mean, really? Do you think they're trying to squeeze out three more, I, more games for this guy? I, I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be one on TV or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, I would say there are certain injuries, certain situations where you can't do further damage to it. So as long as a player can right. handle the pain, um, go through that, I then, just then wish, it's okay to play. So, I just wish that we knew. I hate the... The keeping everybody in the uh, dark. Tyler, we're not that far away from from them mandating in college football that they're going to have injury reports. <laughs> I, and stuff. Know, I mean, all, all the betting and stuff that goes out there, that, those things play huge factors into it. And they finally brought that in in, in the NFL a little while back where you had mandatory. It's like Wednesday or Thursday, whatever. you got to put out an injury report. I don't think that's going to be far off, especially if, if kids start to get paid and things like that. I think everybody's going to need to well, know who's playing right and who's not. But right. still, it's frustrating because you just want to know what's going on with him. And Jared... This is an unbelievable stat. I had to keep going back to last week, but CU, when they face Washington State, they're going to have to get production from their receivers. I truly believe CU has the best, if not one of the best, receiving cores in the conference. I mean, this is a talented group. Katie Nixon, coming into this game, and I think he was a little banged up actually coming into this game, but entering the Oregon game, he had the second most receiving yards per catch in the conference. Now, if you want to talk about average yards per catch... Last game, LaVisca Chenault, 17.5. Not bad. You expect a little bit better, but not bad. And then you look at the rest of the guys. Dimitri Stanley averaged four yards a catch. Tony Brown, 3.2 yards a catch. Alex Fontenot, four yards a catch. Jared, that's like that's like Rutgers bad. Like that, That's like a, a, a bottom FBS bad. You know what that tells me. But again, Oregon's defense, I mean, I know they're good, but you have to find ways to get your playmakers involved. And 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 this the, what that tells me is this offense, and, and we know this, is in large part based off of short throws that get your receivers the ball in space. They break a tackle, and then they extend to make a good game. Do you like They weren't breaking those tackles in this game. Yeah, I, I wrote down here in my notes, um, see, you can't rely so much on yards after catch. It seems like that's what they were doing, and that can work. I understand that works sometimes, but I think you have to go vertical at other times as well. You do, have to try and stretch the defense Do out. you think that is in relation to some of the struggles we've seen from Steven Montez in progressions where he's got to get through two or three reads versus where he can just drop back three steps, get the ball out of his hands, to an athlete in space, let them make a play, you know you're gaining positive yards there where if you are counting on Steven Montez dropping back 25, 30 times into a five- and seven-step drop, having to look through three receivers while a guy gets 10 yards down the right. field, that's not been successful yeah. for the Buffs this year. So I could argue that you're right, that you can't rely so much on it, but if you can't trust your quarterback in a seven-step drop to read through three receivers and make the right decision, you gotta you got to take the, uh, the, the least common denominator there. Yeah, I think with Steven Montez, it's a combination things i think it's kind of everything baked into one i mean right now what is he doing elite does he have elite pocket presence does he go through his progressions you know is he does he get rid of the football quickly does he you know he doesn't seemingly it looks like he's a new quarterback it looks like he's learning how to play college football you know so again I, we keep reverting back to last week if they're gonna find success against washington state Montez is going to have to have a better game. Now, you and I both think that running the football is paramount this game. That doesn't matter. Inevitably, Washington State will stop that, and you're going to have to throw the football eventually. Montez is going to have to break some of those mistakes. I look right now at the rest of CU's schedule. I mean, Washington State next week, then USC, then UCLA, Stanford, Washington, Utah. I mean, tell me where you can just circle three wins on that, you know, and, and, and I see UCLA is a game that I certainly think the Buffs should be winning that game. The rest of the schedule, though, guys, that is going to be tough for CU to find any victories. And that's why right now, Tyler, I'll tell you this to me, 
this game coming up against Washington State is right now the most important game yeah. on this Buffs schedule because if they don't win this game, that leads to that's three losses in a row. You go against a USC team that, while they've been very up and down, just looked really strong against a, a very good Notre Dame team this past week, and you know they have the talent to, to, to go up against CU. So all of yeah. a sudden, man, the wheels can start to really fall off here, and you're going to be really pressing that last month of the season. So this is a big one for the Buffs to go get on this week. Washington State's uh, leading defender, uh, Jihad Woods. He's got uh, 33 tackles, uh, three sacks on the year, four tackles for loss, uh, one forced fumble, uh, two passes defense. Jihad Woods is a guy who you're going to have to mark on defense. Always know where he is. He's kind of their um, Nate Landman, right? He's all over the field, always making tackles. Now, I don't want to compare him to Landman because Landman's just a beast. I mean, talk about another great game last game. But Jihad Woods is one name on defense you're going to have to remember. In terms of getting to the quarterback, who's going to be trying to get after Montez? Bryce Beekman, Justin Rogers, and Marcus Strong. They're three primary pass rushers, uh, three guys who see you going to have to really get after, but also... Washington State has faced some teams that really like to throw the football this year. I think CU can kind of mix things up by coming out with a one, you know, potentially one tight end set, running the football like they tried to last week and establishing that on the ground. But those are a couple uh, names you're going to hear on Washington State's defense. If it came down to one thing, Jared, how does CU score points this weekend? Really, I think it is going to be opening it up through the air. I mean, they do need to establish that running game, but to me, you're establishing that running game so that you can open things up for Steven Montez in this passing game. I think that's been part of the struggle is when everybody in the stadium knows you're going to throw the ball, it's a lot harder to do that, a lot harder to read through those progressions. So I think it's going to come down to a, a couple of big plays. I, th I think Steven Montez has, has had a propensity to make big plays, I think he needs to come through with that this week. He needs to bounce back, and Steven Montez needs to have a strong game. You know, we need to see a 20 for 25, 250-yard outing for Steven Montez. Very efficient, very clean, no mistakes. I think that's the biggest thing. Limit the mistakes, and Steven Montez needs to make a couple of big plays getting the ball into the hands of these talented wide receivers. Yeah, I think that it, it's going to come down to red zone efficiency for the buffs finishing drives uh, exactly i think that cu will find ways to move the football i think that in between the 20s is not going to be an issue but once they get down in a scoring position we talked about it earlier cu has six red zone interceptions this year if you look at cu in their red zone ranking in the country they're 89th they're ranked 89th in red zone efficiency meanwhile washington state is a top 40 team so they, they're going to finish when they get it down there. CU, seemingly, has struggled up to this point in the year. And that's not James Stefano's fault. Or James Stefano. I always want to say Stefano. Lately, they're going with Stefano. Stefano. It seems like we've kind of made that switch this last year. So. We changed it from Stefano to Stefano. You know and what I dropped the junior on Delaware Haven Jr. You, you got some good accents. So give me Stefano and an Australian accent. Oh, you know, a little bit of Stefano and the Bobby, See, mate. See, I think it comes off a little differently. So we didn't know how to react uh, as Americans. How, how can you put me on? I have the worst accents ever. How can you put me on the spot for that? <laughs> no rules. I do like Outback Steakhouse a lot, though. You'd think I'd get it I better I think you got a great Australian no accent. No rules. Just right. Oh, crikey, mate. All right. That's about my own. Crocky, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's flip the field here. Washington, when they have the football, what is this Buffs defense, this depleted Buffs defense, going to have to do to stop Washington State? Now we mentioned they got rid of Gardner Minshew last year. The mustache is down in Jacksonville doing his thing in the NFL. He didn't have the mustache last year, though, did he? Yes, he did. He did. Yeah, he totally had the mustache oh, okay. at Washington State. But this is a plug and play offense. 
Anthony Gordon came out of nowhere. Who's Anthony Gordon last year? I think he was my butcher. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's who it was. No, no, this year that is actually my butcher, my old butcher's name in Greeley. Yeah, Anthony Gordon. Isn't that funny? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were ago. just making that up. No, no, that's yeah, that's yeah. my old butcher. Yeah, um, Anthony Gordon, 2,500 yards on the season, 71 percent completions, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions. Anthony Gordon. Not a great quarterback by any means, but he's filling in the system well. And if you're a competent quarterback, you're going to play well under Mike Leach. He's only been sacked six times this year. So if you're going to get after this quarterback, you have to pressure him. Get in his face. Make him uncomfortable. What I saw yesterday, and I watched some of the Washington State-Arizona State game. What I saw was... A quarterback who could just sit back there, no pressure at all, and pick apart Arizona State until the second half. Then the Sun Devils made adjustments, got after Anthony Gordon, and then he didn't make any... And then they actually ended up losing that game in overtime, right? So if you pressure him, he'll make mistakes. I think that's a huge key to this defense. Can you get after the quarterback? And something that's been a little surprising for me this year, when you looked at last year, Max Borgie, their running back, really had a strong freshman year. By the way, Max Borgie out of Colorado. Uh, I'm slipping on where he went to high school, but he went to high school in Colorado. And uh, he had a really strong season last year. This year, struggling a little bit. He is averaging seven yards a carry, but only 400 yards on the year. So Arvada. Arvada, okay. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, They haven't really leaned on him. I really thought with losing a guy like Gardner Minshew, that you'd really see this Washington State team sort of rely a little bit more on the running game. They haven't, but he's still a threat you got to watch out for. Max Borgie, also very involved before, in the before passing he moves on game. Max Borgie, he's actually from Pomona in Arvada. So Pomona okay, High School. Okay, gotcha. Pomona yeah. High School. Yeah, that's right. And uh, he's also very involved in the passing game as well. He is their third leading receiver as, as far as terms of uh, number of receptions. Max yeah. Borgie is. So very involved out of the backfield as a receiver. So he's somebody you got to watch out for as well. But you say... In terms of receptions, because there's actually four guys ahead of him in yards on yes. the season, but that's that's almost not fair because Max Borgie's averaging ten yards a catch. We just mentioned the the CU players that are struggling after they catch the after they catch the football. Borgie's getting. 10 yards on average after he catches the football, and that's good for fifth best on the team in terms of total yards. So everyone on this offense is producing, but they can throw it out of the backfield, which is that much scarier, and Borgie, very good catch in the ball. There too. are eight different players for this Washington State team that have at least 16 <laughs> catches and at least 200 yards receiving on the year. So they really spread the ball out. You're going to see a lot of four and five wide. You're going to see a lot of throwing to the running back out of the backfield. So it's really going to put the pressure on this CU secondary. However they decide to attack it, whether that's a man-to-man or in a zone, you're really going to have to watch out for a lot of different players. You can't can't just single in on one guy. Well, and that's the question. I mean, CU probably is going to have to run some sort of man-to-man. It's tough to run a zone when they have five receivers every play. Well, and zone does not typically fare well against an air raid offense. That's what they want you to do. They want you to run a zone where they just find guys in space and, and they just make dink and dunk plays all throughout the game. And so they want you to get in a zone where you're, you're leaving a running back wide open, Max Borgie out of the backfield, and, and he's got a nice 10 to 15-yard gain every time. So here's the thing. If they're going to run man-to-man, Delrick Abrams on one side, He's looked pretty good in man-to-man. Chris Miller struggled a little bit. And then you're going to have to go to your backups. I mean, 
Mikai Blackman's going to have to get some time. Uh, KJ Trujillo, you're the freshman. KJ Trujillo, we saw out on the field a lot last week. The freshman, you know? So these are young guys without a lot of experience. That's a lot to ask them to keep up through 60 minutes with this team. That's why, honestly, I think a big part of this game, Jared, something we haven't touched on yet, and it's going back to see you offensively, the Buffs are going to have to win the time of possession battle. Like, they're going to have to drag this thing out. Dominate the yeah, time of possession. Yeah. Run the football a lot and keep it out of Washington State's hands. Again, if they want a shootout, it's not that's not the recipe to be Washington State. So, these young, this young secondary is going to have to come alive this week. We named some of those those cornerbacks. It's also on Delrick Abrams, uh, Delrick Abrams Davion Taylor. They're going to be busy this weekend. So, I know it's just as much, and it's it's a balance. It's just as much getting after the quarterback as it is what you're doing on the back end. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is CU doesn't have a whole lot of room for error this weekend. And, and I know it's only, it's only Washington State, like they're three and three, you know. Yeah, but, but this is a dangerous team. They're not your typical three and three team. If, if, if we're being totally honest, I don't have a whole lot of faith in this Buffs defense to to stop Washington State more than maybe one or two times, a few times in this game. So to me, what what is going to be key for this defense is there has to be some sort of field flipping play. You have to get a turnover. We need a big special teams play. Something to give the edge to CU. I think you're going to have to steal a possession in this game because if you are just exchanging points back and forth, I think Washington State gets the better of you in this one. You have to come up with a big play that gets you an edge, you know, get get a turnover, a pick six, something, a turnover that puts you in, you know, field goal range where you're already scoring points, getting an advantage that way where, where Washington State is trying to keep up with CU. If you're trying to catch Washington State, I don't like your odds in this game. Do we have an update on uh, Sammy, Jalen Sammy? Um, give me a minute to do a little research I, on that. I, I know, obviously, he, he he filled in last game for uh, Micaiah, or uh, uh, goodness gracious, he filled in for uh, uh, Mustafa? Mustafa Johnson, thank you. So he came in at nose tackle, and then I know he left like halfway through the game last, last game. Right now on rlads.com, they have Austin Williams, the freshman, listed as a starting nose tackle, so I wonder... Jalen Sammy, I'm seeing here on the injury report. Okay, so I'm on I'm on ourlads.com. Okay, they they do a pretty good job updating this on a week to week basis. They have listed right now as injured Mustafa Johnson, Jalen Sammy. Now now they, there's obviously more guys in the injury report: Leviska Chenault, Trey Udofia, Jared Broussard, Heron Maddox. A lot of names there. But the two nose tackles, the two well, the starting the starter and the backup, Mustafa Johnson, key piece of this defense. Then Jalen Sammy comes in. He wasn't as effective as Mustafa Johnson, but he was doing good things against Oregon, at least filling in what you want that nose tackle to do. Take up blockers, be big there, and just don't move. Just just, just the ball snaps and just create the line of scrimmage. Well, with him out, that's going to put a lot on this young front. Austin Williams, Terrence Lang, uh, Janaz Jordan. That's freshman, freshman, sophomore. So... If Jalen Sammy, and again, he's a freshman, but I think he's at that other level. If Jalen Sammy isn't healthy for this weekend, it's going to be real tough for the CU defense because I think they're it, not going to have any pressure. I think it goes well beyond just the, the drop-off you see from the starting players that you have there because I, I think the guys you listed there, all three guys, you, you do still have some confidence in playing very well. 
What do you have behind that, though? That's the question. Is a, a defensive line is a position you cannot play every snap on on defense as a defensive lineman. You get too worn out throughout the course of a game. You're going to be getting even more and more banged up. So to keep those guys fresh in the fourth quarter, you need to be running a, a, about a four, five, six man rotation on the D line. And, and and right now, CU just doesn't have the hogs to do that on the defensive line. Who is the key player on offense for the CU Buffs? I will start, and I'm going to go with the man in charge, Steven Montez. I spent a lot of the early, earlier part of the show putting a good amount of the blame on last week on Montez, and it just wasn't last week. It's a pattern. It's what we've seen the last couple of years. It's the lack of progression. What I want to see this week is a quarterback take control of the offense. I'm not looking for 404 touchdowns. I want to see an improvement. I want to see a quarterback without his head down, someone who has taken, it, who it seems has taken a second to evaluate the way he's running the position. I want him to get the ball out of his hands, feed these receivers, whether LaVisca's in there or not, whether Katie Nixon's in there or not, still talent on the outsides. I think Montez, if he has a good game, this team has a chance to win this game a lot. Comes down to number 12 this weekend. Uh, I'm going to agree with you there that I think he is the most important factor, but for the sake of discussion, I'm going to throw one more name at you here, and I think it's the guy that really needs to play well to help take the pressure off of Steven Montez, and that's Alex Fontenot. I I mentioned it earlier. He has not really had that breakout huge game. I want to see Alex Fontenot go well over 100 yards. I want to see him have a big breakout play, maybe get a little more involved in the passing game, being an outlet for Steven Montez when, when he does get pressure. So I think for Alex Fontenot to come out, and if he can, especially in that first half, have a very strong first half, maybe get 50, 75 yards in that first half, a couple of touchdowns, I think the confidence level for Steven Montez starts to grow because that defense is going to have to start to really respect what the Buffs are doing in the running game, and I think it will open up more opportunities for big plays in the passing game, which I talked about we need to see big plays in this passing game for the Buffs to win this game. So Alex Fontenot is going to be a key factor in making this offense go this week. Defensively for the Buffs, who's going to be the key on defense in a while I think it does come down to the entire secondary I'm going to focus on Delrick Abrams Jr. I'm not dropping the junior it's just too nice right it does I did notice we talked about it last week Uh, on his jersey it still says Abrams Jr. we we just just, uh, got lazy I think (laughs) I think in the media we're getting a little lazy on that one I'm going Delrick Abrams Jr. I think that if he can shut down you know one of these quarterback or or receivers and I'm not saying follow any one receiver around, but who play by play. If we can count on Abrams being sort of that shutdown, it's going to help everybody else so much more. If, you're, if your best cornerback's getting burned, it's sort of like what chance do you have, right? So you start there, you lock one guy down per play, and you move outward from there, whether it's man-to-man or zone. Delrick Abrams Jr., I think if he has a big game, this defense has a chance to create some turnovers, make some plays. I'm looking at the uh, transfer junior uh, cornerback there. I'm going to uh, you know, kind of point to a position group here. I'm going to say the safeties as a whole. I think it's going to be really key for, for the bus because you cannot give up big plays in this game. And obviously we know the struggles that we've seen in the secondary. They're beat up. They're banged up. Darian Rakestraw has looked fairly strong in his performances out there. I think he's looked he's pretty looked, good. Great. Uh, Mikhail Onu seems to be in and out of just about every game. So these guys really, really have to step up to help out these cornerbacks. Uh, a lot of injuries at the cornerback position. I think it's going to be key to get those safeties, making sure everything's kept in front of them. You're keeping any big plays from coming through. Uh, I think that's going to be huge for the Buffs. If you give up 
big 60, 70, 80-yard plays, that's going to be hard to, to, to keep up with this Washington State offense. Give me a score prediction. What do you see happening this weekend? I like the Buffs in this game. I really do. I think the Buffs have, uh, have really an opportunity to bounce back here against a, a, a defense that really you should not struggle against and 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 like I said earlier I don't see the Buffs defense faring much better I really don't I think this is going to as much as I don't want it to be it's going to be a shootout so the Buffs need to do the best that they can to control the clock the long drives we've seen the long drives the last few games we need to see the Buffs finish on those drives I think Steven Montez bounces back I really do think he has a strong game for the Buffs and I think it's going to come down to the end of the game going to be a close game. The ball will be in Steven Montez's hands, and he's going to go make a big play to win this game. I got the Buffs winning 45-42. I have a very similar game, 42-38. High scoring. CU finds a way to, to move the ball down the field. Washington State's defense has been overvalued up to this point in the season. I think that no one really talks about that because they have mustered three wins, and it's more about this defense giving up points. Or it's about more about their offense scoring points. Uh-uh. I think Washington State has a bad defense, and I do think that CU can find ways to expose it. As long as you can limit those big plays, CU has a chance to go to Pullman and get the win. And folks, before we get out of here, I just want to say, we're both Buffs fans. We love CU. Two of the biggest Buffs fans ever. I think that you should hold a high standard for this football team. Let's go get a win in Pullman. We'll talk to you next week on Buffs Nation. Buffs Nation.